Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Jameer Smith Show podcast new season. Y'all, I can't believe we are in season five. And y'all know we're in a new location. Huge shout out to Atlanta. But guess what? I'm in a new home, L.A., my home. And of course, I could not start this season off without somebody that I did not think that was a huge super creative and not even just in fashion, but in film and extra, extra, extraness. So guess what, y'all? I'm super excited about For the Crew clothing brand, filmmaker, editor, listen, all around amazing. Late Tahir is in the building. What's going on, man? How are you? Going on, brother. How are you? How's everything been? Uh, man, it's, it's, it's been amazing, honestly. Uh, just coming off, you know, four-day shoot for a TV pilot. Me and my guys put together in the process of cutting it up right now, taking it, you know, to a few of our network contacts. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's looking pretty good. Honestly, okay. it's, it's looking really good. How I like to start the show off with is... First and foremost, as we are already in December and honestly a few weeks away from January, how has 2022 been for you so far? Man, uh, I would say it's been a roller coaster, you know, like and I'm pretty sure a lot of people could identify with this. But it's like it, it was so many good things and I'm not going to say necessarily bad things, but it was a lot of just like lessons, a lot of learning lessons, going through things with people, different individuals. But I think this has been my most expansive year as a creative. Uh, I've, like, done way more this year than I've ever done, like, you know, since I started out in this in this journey of filmmaking and just uh, being out. So it's, it's been pretty good to me, though. Like, honestly, I, I don't really have too many complaints. Um, I would like to have had travel more, but, you know, we got to stay in the field. Listen, and, and the thing about you as a creative and from what I have seen and we'll get into, you know, the clothing in a minute, you know, and I know you've really talked about your passion and your love and your drive of being a filmmaker. I wanted to talk about that. And we have just so you kind of know how the show goes. We, we want to give people their flowers while they are here, you know, as everybody is going through something. Um, what the reason I curated this show is to make sure that everybody understands what their purpose is and making sure that there's alignment, right? But in addition to that, we want to make sure that people understand that they have done the universe's duty while they are here and people are watching. And as we've watched you, we've seen your passion behind film director and filmmaking and editing and that process. So let's let's go right into it. What is your process for directing a film? Um, man, so I'll say this. Uh, I usually write the majority of stuff that I do direct. Um, so for me, I'm really like extremely hands-on throughout the whole process. I'm thinking of the music. I'm thinking what type of lenses I want to use. You know, how am I framing this protagonist? How am I framing the antagonist? Giving them all an individual voice. Uh, so they don't come across, you know, too monotone. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm really like in depth with my writing and my approach to writing, which then translates over to me as a director because I've at that point spent so much time with these characters. I know how to uh, frame them in a way that their essence comes across uh, in the way that it's intended to. You know. 
when you think about the process, how do you kind of handle difficult creative processes with, let's just say, people in your team? You know, how do we make sure, as we said earlier, alignment, that there is alignment, but then how do you kind of handle those situations? Well, what I try to do is, for one, not to not, not let too many cooks in the kitchen. That's number one for me. I, if, I'm, if you're in a writer room with me, if you're in a creative room with me, like you really done did something to be there because, you know, I, I try not to bring too many people in just because, you know, a lot of these voices can kind of get muddled in the, in the process. Um, and then two is just kind of, you know, you got to trust the people that you've like chosen to be in your space or that have chosen you to be in their space. You know, you got to kind of trust their artistic integrity. Even if you don't agree all the time, um, trust, you know, at least where they're going. Uh, I can give you an an example with the project that we're on now. Um, I wrote majority of it and, uh, the day before we had to film our pickup shot, you know, I'm telling my, my one of my uh, director partner, I'm like, listen, man, like this scene, like I, I just can't do it. Mind you, you know, I wrote the whole project, but it just was so much going on. I'm like, man, I can't write this scene. Mm-hmm. So he was like, man, look, just hand it here, I'll do it. And I, you know, I usually don't even really trust people, you know what I'm saying, with my writing, <laughs> but you know, I did out, he made it come together in a way that I couldn't at that time. So, you know, it just flowed. Uh, and yeah, you got you gotta trust the people you with, man. That's that's a big part of it. So, and I know you're extremely passionate about this this project that you're working on and that's ready to come out. What was your vision for this project? Um, man, it's it's my vision for it. Honestly, I wanted to create. You know, I'll say this: there's a lot of shows out right now. There's no knock to any of them. I got a lot of my guys, folks, homies, whatever that work on all these shows, and they're doing amazing work. But, you know, when I see, like, the snowfalls and the powers and, you know, even, like, BMFs, uh, you know, two of those, I understand, they're, they're nonfiction, so they got to stick to the source material. Right. But it's like, you know, it, 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 it's always approaching things from this sense of just, like, all right, I'm a guy, I'm in the streets, I do street things, I sell drugs, I sell crack, whatever. <laughs> and in my opinion aside from like the legal ramifications there isn't really a lot of sense really or a lot of energy really put into what does this do to you psychologically what happens to you mentally when you are in these types of environments so our protagonist he's a guy that was in a literal war zone he's a he's a former uh, soldier veteran and he comes back to discover that his family is involved in these like it's a drug trade and now he has to now take the skills that he's developed from being in the army and apply it to the situation with his family. Mm. But, you know, it's a different set of rules. This is your home turf. So now you're kind of dealing with things in a different mm-hmm. level on top of having to deal with, you know, PTSD and different things that he suffered from. So um, I tried to approach it from, I would say, somewhat like a soprano sort of okay. uh, uh standard where you know tony soprano is going to therapy our lead character he goes to therapy um and i don't know for sure if that's ever been done in one of these like quote-unquote mm. urban crime dramas but i've never seen it where someone actively goes to therapy to try to work through these issues um you know and so uh, in a sense i there's also an uh what I, what what is termed uh afro surrealism so there is a, a sense of surrealism to applied to it as well, reminiscent of maybe like in Atlanta or Twin Peaks, where 
there's moments in the show that you're kind of in this guy's head and it's like is this moment happening is he seeing things what's going on so mm-hmm. you know it's 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 a, a horror crime drama in a sense is what i could kind of say like it it definitely has a lot of layers that i haven't seen uh in a tv show thus far so and I will say, yeah. just to get off topic for a half a second and really not off topic, I think to your point, we haven't really seen a show that really does highlight, and I'll say men in general, men having right. the opportunity to sit down and talk to a therapist and really work out the PTSD and the family, you know, transitioning to this new, you know, whatever normal that they got going on. But then also, I think in the current culture that we're living in right now, I think that that is what, you know, and I've talked about this on the show a lot, is that sometimes people of color never had the opportunity of going to therapy, right? We go to church and we say, let's pray it out. Or you go home and you talk to your your family and you're like, okay, got it. I'm done with it. But no, we sometimes have to go and talk to somebody that is licensed, that can sit down and really work through our issues and problems and really see what next steps look like for us. Um, you, you you talk a lot about camera and, and the type of shots and things like that. I want to touch on what types of shots and camera angles do you prefer for particular scenes and why is that? Oh, man, that's uh, heavy on the cinematography side. Uh, <laughs> I, I would say what I try to what I try to just. What I try to do at least is understand that my job as a filmmaker, as you know, crazy as it sounds, is to manipulate my audience. My entire job is I have a certain emotion that I'm trying to convey. How do I best go about conveying that? How do I best go about getting you to feel uh, sad or afraid or angry? You know, I'm, I'm manipulating your emotions. So... You know, when it comes to, like, framing up the shot, I, I try to just go go to it from that level. You know, what, what do I want people to feel? Um, and, it, and it's deeper than even the frame of the shot. Sometimes it comes down to the motion, uh, you know, in, in the shot. Um, this is a super, super general example, but when we were filming the other day, there's a shot where, uh, you know, the character, he's doing push-ups. And, you know, a lot of times you'll just, you know, all right, you're in front of the camera, you put on the tripod, there's your push-ups, it's done. But what I told my DP was, uh, you know, my, my cinematographer, I was like, yo, let's try to a David Fincher approach. And what David Fincher does is he is so meticulous with his camera movements down to, like, the most minute detail that if mm-hmm. a character readjusts themselves as they're sitting, he motions the camera with them. And it's super tedious. It takes hours and hours. Obviously, when you have, you know, millions of dollars, you can do that. Uh, but I was like, you know, while he's doing these push-ups, I want people to understand that we're in his mind. So let's motion the camera mm-hmm. up and down and perfectly match his pace as he's doing it um, so that we can convey. It's deeper than him just doing push-ups. There's things that are, you know, kind of on his mind. And, right. and the shot actually came well. So, you know, I, I just, you gotta, you have to move with intent. You know, you have to move with intent. Nothing can be arbitrary. Nothing can be mundane or just, you know, coincidence. Coincidence. Like you have to have intent for every frame uh, that you show people if you want them to feel uh, that emotion. Listen, I'm going to even align that with real life. You have to move with intention and you have to move with purpose. I mean, because I think everything that we're doing 
now has to make sense, you know? Um, before we get into our questions, because people were super interested and I really want to talk about For the Crew Clothing, y'all, this man has his hand in a little bit of everything. Um, one of the questions is, uh, how has technology changed filmmaking in recent years? And, you know, really, how have you kind of adopted, you know, really adjusted to that? Uh, technology in a sense of like, what you mean? Just, um, I think in a new way is let's just say in productions and kind of like, you know, how you're doing your own productions, how you're creating film, you know, how has technology made, uh, made a change in recent years? Um, what I will say is that, you know, when I first started out, the very first camera I shot anything on was like a, a camcorder. Uh, that like took tape it was super terrible quality um and you know it's it's good to kind of just get your feet wet a little bit and understand the mechanics of filmmaking but it definitely wasn't anything that was you know by you know we got cell phones that shoot better than that now (laughs) now what i noticed is that filmmaking has become a lot cheaper and a lot more accessible to people that it wouldn't have been accessible to but one of the problems that i think comes with this sort of like uh digital revolution or whatever is that people kind of forego what goes into like mm-hmm. cinema or what goes into filmmaking so you might you know you you have a, a camera in your pocket you know worth a couple thousand dollars you know your phone you carry around all day but then they're like on Instagram asking people for money to yeah. go and make the money. Uh, and it's kind of, to me, it's just like, well, you you already made an investment. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So, mm-hmm. um, why not just, I just, you know, think outside the box. There was a film that came out uh, by a filmmaker, pretty notable. Uh, his name is Steven Soderbergh. Mm-hmm. Called Unsane. It's on, you know, Hulu now. It's an extremely well done film. He shot the entire movie, I want to say, on like an iPhone yeah. 8. Yep. Uh, you know, with a budget of like a million dollars or something like that. And, you know, it was a huge hit. Whole film was on an iPhone 8. And, you know, from the looks of it, looking at it now, you can tell, like, all right, you know, <laughs> but I look at stuff like that and I'm like, the story was so well done. The shots were well composed. It was well lit. The acting was decent. That's what sells your film. It's not, you know, you got this $100,000 camera. Right. You got this and this, this and that. Now, you know, don't get me wrong. We're shooting on, you know, the big stuff. You know what I'm saying? But um, a lot of that, honestly, was able to come together just from favors and just connecting with people. Uh, that we're just like, hey, you know, I believe in what you guys are doing. I believe what y'all put in, so I'll lend my resources or whatever. But um, going back to your question, yeah, technology has made things more accessible, but it's also kind of, you know, same old tale, uh, age old tale of that instant gratification. They want things a certain way, and it's like you don't really have to do that. You just got to think outside of the box. Um, so that would, that would probably be my response to that and i think to your point you know we've talked about this a lot on the show about building relationships and lay i mean literally that is exactly what you were doing and i and i always believe in 
wherever you go, you know, you always get that first chance to make a good first impression. And when I got to finally meet you, you know, I was following you on IG and for the crew clothing, um, you showcased your collection at Black in the Block, downtown L.A. And I was excited. I was excited because it's like I came in the afternoon and I saw that. First, first of all, let me say this, y'all. Half of his stuff was already sold out. So let's go ahead and start there. But then I think just to see the energy and the excitement that people had around your collection, um, you know, it was curated by you. And I think when you think about an effort to just showcase a streetwear fashion brand to like the creative community, what inspired you to develop your idea? Oh, man. Uh well, I had the, the seeds for the idea were there, I would say, even from a year ago, maybe a year and a half. Um, I could take it back to even 2020. So my mom, she has a, a clothing brand called uh, Three Little Bears Clothing. And what ended up happening was, you know, her brand you know, got pretty popular and everything. And I learned about uh, e-commerce and just like marketing online, Facebook advertisements, stuff like that. And... You know, I hit her up. You know, she was living in Philly at the time. I was out. I was. I think I was in Vegas. I had lived in Vegas at the time, and I was like, you know, let me try this e-commerce thing on your business and see if it'll work. And she was doing okay. She was doing probably around at that time like five thousand a month, something like that, four or five grand a month. I had her doing five thousand a week. You know, <laughs> from the you know the the insight that I got from these, and I would just be on YouTube just watching guys talk mm-hmm. about. Did you do that? Get the content, whatever. So, you know, when I saw like the the how you know the impact that clothing would have, and you know, kind of the mechanics of it, I was like, okay, I, I think I could do something like this. But I'm not a designer. I'm not no fashion type person or nothing like that. So, I was just kind of like, you know, it was always in the back of my mind. Uh, fast forward to this year, um, I went back to Philly and I had a design that I wanted to do. I had got it made. It was the first time I ever got a shirt made. I was in the I was in North, I was in the hood somewhere. <laughs> I, yo, bro, make me this hoodie, real, make me this, it was like a hoodie, a shirt or something. So I got it made. I ain't like it, it was terrible. But when I saw it, I was like, all right, you know, it's, this ain't as hard as I thought. Because they'll literally just do what you asked them to do. Exactly. I don't know why I always kind of, sometimes we do that. We put like these blocks in front of ourselves that make us think things are more complicated than they exactly. really are. Exactly, yeah, exactly. You know, I was just like, man, like, all right, I got to probably get the shirt made. I got to probably draw out the design. And this, I don't know. I just had all these thoughts. <laughs> and when I got it made, dude was just, all right, this what you want? And I was like, I mean, I think so. And he just made it. <laughs> so then, you know, after that, I was like, all right, this shirt is terrible. But <laughs> I think if I put this design, I can make it better. Originally, I was, I had a different design that I was going to do. It, but it was still the sorry thing. But it was something, it said something different. And people was like, no, I don't have it. Say that, have it, you know, say something like this or something like that. So I kept working it, kept working it. Um, and then I finally, you know, fine-tuned it to, to where I got it at now. And what I did was I didn't launch. I, I first got my design made in May. I didn't launch until, uh, when did I launch? I think I launched in November. Oh, wow. And the reason for that, well, it was a couple of reasons. One, like I said, you know, this isn't really my first thing. I was doing a lot of movie deals throughout the summer. But two was that um, what I did was I would send samples to influencers. I would send samples to friends of mine that had big followings, and I would just 
give stuff away. You know, I would get it printed. I would just give stuff away. You know, some stuff I would sell here and there, but mostly I would just give stuff away. And just to, you know, get people's reaction. I wanted to make, I wanted to know a thousand percent that this is a product people would spend money on before I really deep dove into it. And I remember I was in Atlanta, um, uh, my my friend opened a, uh, you know, shout out Penny Lane. She opened this huge shout studio. Shout out to Penny. Lane. Yeah. It's huge, like 8,000 square feet. And she had a grand opening for it. And so I had wore the hat, you know, sorry, I'm a creative head. And I met this lady, you know, super nice lady. She's actually out here in LA as well. Uh, she has like a studio. And she was just like, oh, you know, I love this hat. You know, I want to place an order. And I'm like, all right, you know, my website ain't up right now. They haven't launched, but, you know, just text me what you want and, you know, we'll go from there. So she ended up texting me probably like two days after I went to Philly. She texted me like two days after. She's like, yeah, so I want 30. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I want 30 hats. So I'm like, all right, well, look, I'm in Philly right now. Let me back to LA, get to my printer and work all this out. So I flew back to LA. I, I got to her, you know, I got her order together. Printed, got everything printed up, gave it to her, and that was the biggest order you know that I had ever got. That was the most money I had ever made in a day off doing this. So at that point, I was like, all right, I think I got something. Like, and oh, yeah, I'll miss this. This is a really big thing too. Um, so when I was in Philly, when she had took first time about that order, I, like I said, I left from Atlanta, I went to Philly, and a friend of mine, she was one of the tour managers for uh, Jack Harlow. He was on, he was on a tour. And so she had me, you know, come backstage and everything at the Leah Chorus Center, you know. And uh, as I'm standing, like, backstage, I look in the corner of my eye, and I'm like, I don't think that is what I think it is, but I'm pretty sure that's him. Uh-oh. And it was M. Night Shyamalan. <gasps> now, most people, you know, don't knock the Shyamalan. Right, but right. But we're behind-the-scenes guys. I'm a director. He's a director. Most people don't know who directors is, you know. Yeah. You got to kind of be in the game to know. You do, know you, you do, hurt. you do. <laughs> and so I seen him, and, you know, I'm, I'm around. It's like, you know, it's not, it wasn't like a super hood crowd, but, you know, it's, it's, it's you a know. Co- it, was a very, it was a very colorful bunch. There you go. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So I'm like, this ain't the type of vibe. But he was there with <laughs> the borders, you know, and Jack Harlow, he's, he's a safe kid to listen to, I guess, and BS. So I was like. I'm talking to my guys. I'm like, yo, that's that's M. Night Shyamalan. They like, who? I'm like, come on, bro. Like, the boy that did such and such, da 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 da. And they like, oh, you know, so they start tripping and whatever, whatever. So I'm like, yo, I got to talk to him. Like, so they're like, yo, you know, shoot your shot. You know what I mean, get at him. Mm-hmm. And it's always kind of a weird thing where, you know, because I'm a director, he's a director. It's kind of like, what can we really yeah. do for each other in a sense? Uh, you never but, know. You never know. You, yeah, no, for sure. And for me, it was just, I was a fan. You know what I'm saying? So I was looking at it in a sense of, look, I don't care if you can do anything for me or not, or if you or not. I just want you to know, like, yo, like, you really inspired. Because he's the type of guy that he represents Philly in all his movies. Okay. All his movies, one character is from Philly. And that just always says something. You know, Philly, we don't really get a lot of light like that, especially right. in the main. And so I'm um, talking to him. Uh, you know, I went up to him, like, yo, I'm a filmmaker, I'm from Philly, whatever, whatever, you know what I'm saying? Like, you, you was a big inspiring factor. It's like, dope. And he's like, yo, like, I don't know, if, I don't remember if it was him or if it was his daughter, but one of them was just like, you know, I love your hoodie, you know what I Because mean? I had the hoodie on. Like, oh, I love your hoodie, whatever, whatever. And uh, I was like, you know, if it's cool with y'all, I mean, I can get your contact and I'll just send y'all something. And he was like, nah, for sure, let's do it. So he gave me his contact and um, 
I got back to LA. I gave that lady, you know, her heads, and I sent him <laughs> his order. And when I sent it to him, I remember because uh, I was talking to his assistant. And I was like, you know, if they can just send me some some content, whatever. Right. You know what I'm saying? I sent this, and I, I sent them a lot of stuff. Like it wasn't. Like, <laughs> and I'm just in my head, like, man, I could, you know, because I've given stuff. I did. A, I produced a movie called uh, Fells High with uh, Omari Hardwick, and. I had a, a friend of mine, she was like, yo, I made these clothes, can you give it to Amari? And I'm like, all right, I'll give it to him. Yeah. This is like, this is like the end of 2020. I'm like, yeah, I'll give it to him. And, you know, I gave it to him. She, she ain't never seen him in this clothes, nothing. <laughs> you know what I'm so I'm thinking. That's, that's what's going to happen to you. Right. Yeah, so uh, fast forward, I gave it to him, and I want to say probably like six weeks later, I had launched on, I want to say, I, I launched on 11-11. That's what, I, yeah, I launched 11-11, I remember. 11-11-22. And, you know, I was doing my thing, got to, you know, got get my orders in. So I had kind of put the thought of him, you know, out of my mind. I'm like, man, right. I send it to him as good as it's going to get for now. About three, four days later, I'm in the gym and I get the notification. M. Night Shyamalan just tagged you in a <gasps> post. So I go to the post. <laughs> right this day, he wearing a hoodie at the Sixers game. I'm See? Like, Damn, you know what I mean? See? Like, it was and from there, it just took all the way off. I sold out that same night. It took all See what I'm saying? Off. Come on. And look, this is what we talk about when we talk about alignment. And I mean, honestly, when I saw the brand, when I saw your energy, I mean, why would it not sell out, right? I want to get into some questions. And the first question yes. comes from Nikki. Nikki is out of Miami. Shout out to Miami. Um, okay. The first question is... Uh, how do I come up with a great name for my company? Mm. Well, what I would say is, uh, what I would suggest at least is I would write all of them down and I would mix it in with some that are super terrible, mix that in with your favorites. And I would just go to people that I trust. I wouldn't tell them what it was about. I wouldn't really get super into detail with it. I would just go to people that I trust or even strangers and just survey people. One thing I think people got to understand is that big companies like Coca-Cola and Pepsi and, you know, they don't know what to do. They have to talk to people and ask them. It's not like they just guess that, oh, they're going to love if we put, you know, this person in our stuff or whatever. Like they they talk to people and they do focus groups. a lot of times when we're on the indie level, and I run into this with film all the time, we have this mentality that somebody's after us so bad or somebody's going to come and take our our, our information yeah. or ideas. Or and that's just not really the way to function. I mean, it happens. Don't get me wrong. Um, you know, but like the, the night that M. Night posted that, there was a guy in the comments going under every, because people were like, oh, I love the hoodie. I love the hoodie. Where'd you get it? There was a guy that went. And was like, oh, buy it for me. Buy it here. Buy it here. Big <laughs> you know, site. You know what I mean? Whatever. I hope nobody buy it. But, you know, I had to go through Instagram and trademark violate them and, you know, get them taken down. But I, I'm not saying it's not sharks out there, but there's ways that you can go about protecting yourself. But you got to talk to people, engage with people, be on the ground level. Like, you can't just be in your room and think, I'm going to just be Kanye West and yeah. just amazing things by myself. Like, it don't really work like that. Um, the next question comes from Chris, and he's actually out of L.A. Shout out to L.A. Uh, what advice would you give to starting entrepreneurs? Uh, first thing I would say is capital. 
it's the, it's the hardest conversation to have. It's the hardest thing to get your hands on, but it's the most important aspect. Well, capital in, in your network because you could have somebody else front to back. But <laughs> as, a, as a creator, you shouldn't really have to do that. You get your credit in order. Um, you set up, you know, LLCs. You set up trust accounts. You set up, you know, you get business credit. Uh, shout out to Penny Lane. She put me on to a lot of these things. Uh, there's ways that we as independent entrepreneurs can fund and finance our own ventures mm-hmm. without having to, you know, beg people for money. Can you give me 10000 Can you give me 30000 Because this is not a lot of money, like, that we think it is. When we need it, you know, 10000 might seem like it's going to do something, but it's really not that significant. Now, you get into the hundreds of thousands and stuff like that, yeah, but yeah. you should have 10000 put to the side to go into a new venture or whatever. And if you... I don't want to discourage anybody, but if you don't really have like ten thousand to spend on a venture, I'm not gonna say don't do it, but I'm gonna say really kind of don't expect immediate results. That's yeah. all I would say. It's like find as as you just said, honestly, to your point, find the capital. You know what I'm saying? Build the relationships, whether that's a partnership, a collaboration. To your point, it's about how are you on the ground and just really showing people who you were as a filmmaker, who you are as a filmmaker. But in addition to, you know, this additional stream of income, it's an additional passion project. And I mean, it's, it's you're doing an amazing job. As we get ready to wrap the show, this is when it gets a little bit more therapeutic, right? And we ask the questions that maybe we just don't know about you, Lay. So my first question is, what are you most grateful for? Uh, man, most grateful. Um, I would say, honestly, it, you know, there's a lot of moments where I am like just doubtful and stuff. Like, oh, I don't think this is going to work out. Even with the M night thing, I'm, I don't know if it's going to work out. You know, it seemed good, but it just seemed too good for me. And, you know, just coming from my background and all of the like, a lot of stuff I've been through, you, it's kind of easy to really get adjusted to that mindset where it's like, it can't be for me, you know? Um, but I'm grateful that a lot of the things that I be thinking is too good for me actually does work out. Um, you know, even when, you know, you saw me at Back to Block, Black, Black, oh my bad, Black on the Block <laughs> at the time, uh, that was my second time ever vending. That was oh, wow. my second time ever, like, doing it, Black on the Block, like, ever. The first time I did okay, you know, it was decent. But that second time, I did more than double what I did that first time. See? And there's always that kind of, like, hesitancy where it's like, oh, man, I'm going to go there. I'm going to set up. Nobody's going to buy. <laughs> that first hours, you don't get no sales. Nobody's going to rock with me. And then it just ends up going. So I would say most grateful for just those those moments that just really work out in my favor. You know? um, Lay, what is the nicest thing you've ever done for somebody? <laughs> Man, <laughs> man, I don't know how much time we got. I, I ain't gonna lie, like on some real, like I really do a lot for people, and not in a braggadocious way or anything. Most people never even know a lot of stuff I do, but I think what I at least attempt to do the most is I really attempt to inspire people. Um, so I give you an example. One of my young boys here is uh, uh, Nazir, you know, worked on me with the show. You know, young kid, I think he's like 24 right now. I know he was like 17. And he had came out here a couple months ago. He stayed with me for like probably like a month and a half. 
And, uh, you know, I just had him ripping and running with me, doing all types of things, being on these meetings, being on these calls and everything like that. And um, he ended up, I want to say, actually that day, that night, Black on the Block, uh, a couple nights before, he drove from Philly to Los Angeles. And was Whoa. like, yo, I'm going to just do this. And he drove. <laughs> I, I'm like, you know, people always say they're going to do it. They do. Like, yeah. yeah I'll see you get out here. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, yeah, here in three days. I'm like, all right, cool. He got out here in two. And he Oof. pulled up on the block, helped me break down and all that. And yeah, he's here now. We're working on a show. We literally here in the studio now. And you know, I just I just try to inspire people. Like that's that's really my whole thing. And that's that's passion. Listen, that's something I don't know if I would have done, but I definitely would have been here, but I would have taken a flight though. Um yeah. <laughs> last two <laughs> questions, honestly. Yeah. Um like when you think about your life. And everything that you've done, you know, positive, negative, whatever. What is your greatest life goal? My life goal, honestly, my my goal in life, the, the main goal that I've been on since 16, 17 has been to create a, a production studio um, that I can create the type of content that I want. I have the type of uh, funds and finances to be able to do so. And, um, yeah, I mean, just create, honestly. That's that's really my only goal in life. So once it's all said and done, everybody has, of course, loved your films. People have been inspired by your projects. You know, your clothing brand has probably elevated to another season. And everybody, you know, is definitely wearing your stuff, right? Yeah. What do you want your legacy to be? Uh, Wow. I would say I want my legacy to be that this was somebody that was genuine, that moved from a good place that, you know, never tried to get over nobody, take advantage of nobody, uh, you know, nothing. Just me, I, I would really say I want to be like, <laughs> this sounds crazy, but you know how they'd be like, yeah, you know, little dirt, he the voice of the streets. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? And I look at it like, well, look, I'm from the streets. I ain't no rapper or nothing. But I look at it like I want to be the, 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 if he the voice, I'm the vision. You know what I'm saying? There you so go. I want to be the one that's like, yo, go this path. And this, I'm going to show all y'all young, you know what I mean? Photographers, videographers, whatever, whatever it is that you do in a creative field, there is a path for you to be successful and be able to do what you want to do. So that's what I want. My legacy to be the people to be able to say, man, I followed that formula and he translated in a way where I could understand. Because I think a lot of messages get lost in translation because a lot of people mm-hmm. in this field, they talk in ways where they be trying to say the most simple thing, but complicated. Absolutely. And it's like, nah, I want it to be that people on the ground level from the trenches could really understand, you know. And listen, and that's the reason why you have for the crew, because you definitely are for that. Um <laughs> I want to thank you, honestly, for your time. I want to thank you for your passion. But I think most of all, I want to thank you for your creative vision for the future for younger people and really just highlighting exactly where you're from to exactly what the future is supposed to look like. I want everybody to make sure you support this amazing creative on ForTheCrewClothing.com and on Instagram for For The Crew Clothing. Any last words, Lay, that you want to leave to any of your listeners, any new listeners, anybody? Any last words? Uh, man, all I can say is keep creating. Uh, don't ever be apologetic for it. Um, but just explain where you're coming from. Explain what's in your heart. Uh, 
definitely please tap in for the crew clothing. We growing, you know, it's, it's, it's taking us some time and putting a small team together. If you interested on coming aboard, definitely do. I am not, you know, a designer or nothing like that. I just wanted stuff that I would wear for people from my environment would wear. So I'm really doing this for the culture. Uh, but definitely tap in. We appreciate you always and forever. And guess what? Guys, we thank you for listening. And at the end of our show, as we always say, stay positive, but stay creative. Until the next time, thank you guys for listening. All right. Thank you.